A salary is the drug they give you when they want you to forget about your dreams. Welcome to the Corporate Dropout Podcast. I'm your host, Alessia Citro. After a successful career in tech, suffering from burnout, stress, and anxiety, I walked away from a multiple six-figure career to chase my passions and purpose as a coach and entrepreneur. This show is going to inspire, equip, and empower you to do the same. Let's get it. As a former Salesforce employee, I can tell you with confidence that every successful business uses a CRM tool. Why should yours be any different? Whether you're an entrepreneur, network marketer, or realtor, you need a way to keep track of your outreach to team members, prospects, and customers. Enter the 90-Day Habits Journal. Created by top network marketing leaders, the 90-Day Cycle to New Habits Journal is a great way to cultivate a winning mindset each day and track your activity. What you track grows, so start tracking what matters in your life and business. Get your copy at 90dayhabits.co and use code CITRO, that's C-I-T-R-O, for 10% off. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Corporate Dropout Podcast. Today, I am interviewing Angela Henderson. She is an international award-winning business coach for women an international keynote speaker and podcaster, and she helps women in business get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months moving into six or seven-figure years without burning out in the process. That sounds like something I need. Ange, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. (laughs) Hey, hey, so lovely to connect. So fun to connect with amazing humans such as yourself. So I'm super excited to be here today. Oh, likewise. Okay, before we get started, I have to ask you about something. So when I was researching you before this episode, I read that you're one of Netflix's top 30 Australian bloggers. Uh, What? That's pretty cool. Can you tell us about that? (laughs) So yeah, so I'll use the words was so that was pretext. So my first business, Finley and me, um, I had a e-com platform where we had about 1400 different um, educational products helping kids to learn about fine motor skills, gross motor skills, imaginary play, and obviously connectedness between child and parents. And uh, that was great. It was one income stream, obviously selling the uh, toys. But then I started blogging because I, I realized that obviously the mums that theoretically buying the products, there was a lot of things going on from them, such as like the loneliness of mother, motherhood, for example. Um, at that stage, I was also going through depression and anxiety. So I was writing about that and again, really able to connect with those moms, not just from, hey, buy my shit, right? So that was really cool. But then right. because I had an audience, we had about uh, I don't know, 70,000 on Facebook, 20 something thousand on uh, Instagram. And we had an email list of 50,000 plus uh, Netflix had reached out saying like, Hey, we'd love for you to be one of our influencers and bloggers in the space. There's, there's, you know, a f- there's two new spots opening up. So there's 28 at that stage. They said, we'd like to make you 29 or 30. And then would you be willing to write for us uh, on behalf of that, share it with your audience, uh, et cetera. So yes, that was really great to wow. partner with Netflix and have the opportunity to watch, you know, a variety of different series and then write about that from a way that would help parents. So uh, 13 Reasons Why was one of my most favorites around mental health because an ex, I'm also an ex mental health clinician where I used to diagnose people with schizophrenia, bipolar, depression. Etc. myself. So that was my previous job. So I was able to weave in my mom hat, but I was equally able to weave in my clinical hat while at the same time speaking about the importance of that show. So that's an example. And then, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was great to work with Netflix. Oh, that's really cool. You know, you touched on so many things too that I'm asking you about as we move through this, but I love the fact that you had this thriving business, which then led you into the coaching piece, right? Because that just makes you all the more effective because you've 
you've walked the walk. You're not just talking the talk. 100%. And the thing there, though, was is coaching or consulting. So I guess I'll talk about there's mentoring, coaching and consulting, I consider myself 75% consultant, 25% coach. Typically, a mentor could be someone like if you're a photographer and another photographer, and they kind of mentor you, it's quite informal is how I define it. Coaching, if you look at the true definition of coaching, it's kind of like you sit there and ask a whole bunch of questions and then you kind of reframe it so that they get the aha moment themselves, which works for some people. But when people work with me, people want to, they they know my expertise and my skill set and they're going, and can you just get me from A to B? And so they're really there for me to advise them based on their business, their family, their whatever, and come up with a plan that isn't cookie cutter that will move them there the quickest and the most efficient way. So when I started consulting, this is the thing is I, it was never, never in my vision board. It was never in my thoughts. But after 14 coffee dates with people over the course of about two months, I was driving home one day going, this isn't sustainable. Like I love connecting with people. I love helping people. But then I was like, oh, if I would have charged these 14 people for my expertise, I could actually have a secondary business. And that's how it all unfolded. It was, I didn't advertise. I didn't have ideal client. I was just that people kept saying, can you just meet me? And at that stage, I was a bit naive about the whole, like, let me pick your brains. So I was like, yeah, but again, after like, I don't drink coffee, I was spending, you know, 30 minutes driving one way, 30 minutes driving back, then spending an hour of my time. I was like, this isn't. And then yeah, the aha moment. And then I now I charge people for that to be able to access me. <laughs> Especially if you don't drink coffee, like, <laughs> no, I was like, the okay, like I don't pick really your brain. You. <laughs> I've actually so, yeah. stopped using that phrase, pick your brain, because I mm-hmm. feel like it's it it's basically, can I get your advice for free? And yeah. Anyway, it sounds like we're aligned on that. that. I read once and I get a lot of... And a lot of people like gave me a lot of crap for it. But it's like, uh, someone says, like, let me pick your brain. And the response on the meme was like, well, let me first pick your credit card. And I posted, (laughs) I posted it once. And people were like, really, I had like people going, hell yeah. And then other people were like, how dare you be so cocky that you won't support women? I'm like, no, actually, hold on a minute. I produce a podcast every single week, letting thousands of people access me for free. I produce a blog article every single week that people can access for free. I have a Facebook community of 8,500 women entrepreneurs. They can access that for free. Like I produce an enormous amount of resources for free. And that this is the whole essence that women get afraid to charge for what their services are, and then they don't, and then they start resenting it. So I'm like, no, like, it's okay to charge money for a skill that you have acquired over the years, it's safe to make more money. And it's important to, for women to have more wealth in their hands. So yes, yes, uh, mic drop. All right. So we dove into it a little bit, but I want to hear more about your background. It's fascinating to me that for over 15 years, you were a mental health clinician. You're also a mom, you're a consultant, you're an entrepreneur. Like, tell us who is Ange and tell us a little bit about the professional path that led you to where you are today in this entrepreneurship space. Yeah, sure. So I did an undergrad. So I'm from Canada originally, will always be the proud Canadian. Um, but then I moved down. My mom was a travel nurse. So I did my high school and undergrad in Albuquerque, New Mexico. My undergrad was in psych and sociology. I then moved to Australia to do my master's of social work, moved back to the US to do my clinical prac in North Carolina, and then moved back to Australia where I've been for the last 15 years. 
So really the path was just that, again, you know, it's not uncommon for a lot of social workers to have crazy family backgrounds. I come from a family of addicts, pretty much either drug addicts, uh, alcoholics, uh, addicted to gambling, like the list goes on and on. So it's, it's, you see a lot of social workers kind of going in that field to help people, right? So I did definitely did that. And I love the mental health. I'd probably still be in mental health if I could make it work with my timetable because, you know, there's an essence of this vulnerability with those with mental illness and the stigma around it. And so I talk often about mental health and breaking down those barriers. I mean, eight people take their lives every single day here in Australia. Uh, that's eight too many. It's more than road deaths. It's it's pretty significant, right? So mental health is crazy. It's also, again, if you were to have a heart attack right now, you'd call the ambulance. If you're tooth hurt, you'd call the dentist. But God forbid we pick up the phone to get help when our heart is hurting, our head is hurting, right? So I'm very passionate about even though I'm no longer a mental health clinician, I'm making sure that we continue to spread that word, especially in entrepreneurship for females. And then you add the component of motherhood, uh, the risk becomes higher because of the other variables and pressures that are in the day to day life of those particular women. So yeah, so mental health rock and roll that for a while. I then had my son Finley and at around nine months, I was playing on the floor with him. And there's all these toys that were given to us, but they were all electronic. So it's like I remember he was putting this purple ball into one of the things. And when you put it in there, all these bells and whistles started going when the ball was going through the um, the particular toy. I just remember looking down going, you know, all right, like, yes, my kids use iPad. Yes, we have battery up. Is there any things that everything was? And I was like, well, hold on a minute. How is this sparking his own imagination and creativity? How is this working with a variety of other things? And I thought there surely has to be other educational toys out there on the market. And so I went looking, obviously, we started with zero toys, and we ended up with 1400. But I worked a lot with stay at home moms, actually, who are producing these beautifully handmade toys that were like all hand dipped in beautiful paint. And then again, it worked with color recognition, again, fine motor skills, etc. cetera. Uh, and then, yeah, so that's how Finley and me was started. And then it just slowly transitioned. I still worked 40 hours a week in my mental health job. And I did Finley and me on the week uh, during night, and then on the weekends at the market. So my time and my boundaries were very strict for the entire kind of process. Um, and I also had to learn very early on the importance of balance. And I actually think balance is bullshit. Shit, uh, is that there's this distribution <laughs> that everything that has to be, you know, equal, and it's never going to be equal. But that's what we're striving for: is this equal balance with our partners, equal balance with our kids, equal balance in business. And there's no way it can be distributed. So I learned only early on the importance of just being present. So I travel an enormous amount, well, but pre-COVID, but for keynotes and all that. And my kids have learned that when mom's gone, mom's hat is she will FaceTime us, but mom is being present with the people that she's around. And that's okay. It's okay to be, you can be a good mother and a successful woman in business. You can have both. So that process really allowed me to understand that it was, I was never going to have balance, but I could be present. So at nighttime, my routine with my kids is you know, once they walk in the door, the phone goes down, I'm present with them. But then I was able to, again, once they were in bed, I was working on the business uh, and then would wake up in the morning and go to my mental health job. So that's that's a little bit about where I started in the field and how I ended up starting the business. And yeah, and then we've wrapped up Finley and me a couple of years ago. It no longer served me, it no longer excited me. And it was also a really big lesson to 
for, and that I like to talk about with women about the importance of letting go of something that no longer serves you and is no longer in alignment with you. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means that the universe is giving you something else to do. And if you choose to look at that from a place of opportunity and abundance versus scarcity and like boohoo, uh, the world is a, a much better place. Let's talk about that. That's super interesting to me because I think so many times, especially me as like a new business owner, right? Like right now I'm standing up three new businesses, which is kind of a lot. It would be my dream to grow it to what you had grown Finley and me to. So how do you know when it's time to, I, I, well, actually, I think you know it, right? You feel it, but like, how do you actually cut the cord and move on to the next thing when you have this, like, I would imagine pretty significant emotional attachment from having built it from the ground up? I guess for me, early on, there was two kind of things. Failure was never an option. And the other thing was choice. Every single day, we have choice. We have choice from the minute we open our eyes until the minute we go to bed. Uh, and we also have responsibility is the third thing. But a lot of people will skirt around choice. They'll look at blaming people, right? Or I'll just wait this. And it's like, no, hold on. And I talk because predominantly I work with women. But my thing is, is as women... It's like, start taking responsibility for your life, all right? Stop blaming the partner because he didn't read your mind to put the laundry on. Stop blaming your kids because you're overtired. Like, I get it. I'm a mom. I worked 40 hours. Like, I had anxiety and depression. Like, I actually genuinely have been there and get it. But I still knew that I had choice. So when I was no longer feeling it, I was like starting to resent going into the office. I was resenting helping with the orders. I was resenting it. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then I was bitching about it to people. And people like, didn't you start your job to be like, sorry, didn't you start your business to be happy? Like, oh my God, they're so right. Like I'd lost the happiness and it was just no longer there. So I was like, again, I've got choice. Get out of it and start wrapping it up, or I have a choice to stop bitching about it, right? And so my choice was, does it genuinely light me up anymore? Does it excite me? And I was like, the answer is no. My kids had gotten older, and I always knew that was a risk starting it when they were kind of babies and then growing it is like as they got older, would I still want it? But I didn't, again, think about that too much when I was growing the business. And then I did get asked to sell the business. Like, uh, I didn't look for brokers. People had come to me a couple of times throughout the time saying, you know, you know, are you thinking of selling whatever? Uh, and it was around wanting email lists and things like that. And the reality was, is I was too infused within the business. The kids were part of it, of the blog and of me. And I just, I couldn't lay my head on my pillow knowing that another person trying, they would never be me. And it's not like they could never run a business, but they could never infuse themselves into how I infused it from a personality point of view. So I made the decision not to sell Finley and me. But again, it was a choice, right? And so again, regardless of what you're doing, and you're looking at pivoting, just remember that we really need to start taking responsibility and be proactive about the life we want, the business we want, the outcomes that we want. And, and I'll also just say something off the back of that is, this really reinforced for me, what, and I'm glad I learned it early on, is in the last three years, I've had five significant people die in my life. My grandmother died on Christmas. My brother died on Mother's Day. A father-type figure died on New Year's Day. A friend died two weeks after that, and I recently, a best friend just passed away. So I get also grief because there might be people going out there, oh, well, you make more money now. You can do those things. 
don't minimize that just because I make more money doesn't mean that I don't have grief, that it doesn't mean that I don't have loss, that I'm not going through things that other people are going through. All right. And that, but again, I still get to choose how I handle those five deaths. I get to choose how I show up every day. I get to choose how I heal. Uh, Again, no one's coming to save me from the broken heart that was. I have to go, what do I need now in order to make it better? First off, holding a lot of space for you. I mean, five, I had a significant death in the last year too. Five is like, it's like, how much more can you take? So just admiring mm-hmm. you for your strength. And and I, I just really admire how self-aware and what's the word? I, I think accountable is the word I'm looking for. Like it's so clear in just talking with you that you know the only one responsible for your reality is you. And I, I think that a lot of people have a hard time with that. So um, yeah, that's beautiful to hear all of that. Okay, so I guess that sort of segues into the next thing I wanted to ask you about. So you are a consultant, but in reading through your website, it sounds like you're doing some transformation coaching with people too, right? Because you can give people business strategy all day, but if what's between their ears is going to block that strategy from being implemented, you have to kind of, you know, address and unblock that first. So kind of a two-part question here. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that people ever just need a business coach? Or is there always a transformational component to it? And then I'll follow up with the second piece. Sure. So listen, uh, what I say to people is my trifecta is I bring strategy, I bring sales and marketing, and I bring an accountability. And when I infuse those together, I help women to be more profitable and make more money. But I would be negligent, significantly negligent if I did not say the importance of mindset and the importance of intuitive spirituality. Now, my zone of genius is not necessarily like I'm not NLP certified, none of that. But obviously, my mental back, mental health background allows me a little bit of insight to when things are kind of internally going on for people. Here's the reality. If you are looking at 2022 going, this is going to be my best year yet ever, and you run out to get a um, planner, and you run out to do a business strategy session, and you think you're going to nail it, I'm here to tell you, you won't. Because until you work on the internal dialogue that's going on, it's a direct reflection of your, like what the quote I say is your external world is a direct reflection of your internal world. So if you're not making money, if your world is chaos, if you're running from shiny object to shiny object, there is something internally that is rooted that we need to get to the bottom of. If not, is it going to continue to be there and fester? You might kind of, um, let's say it's imposter syndrome for a minute and it comes up and it might creep in. It might kind of paralyze you for a couple of weeks, but you push through it. You push through it is the key word is you push it to the side. You don't actually deal with it, but it will represent itself again and again and again. So getting to the root of why is this imposter syndrome continuing to show up? What does that look like? What does that mean? We need to get to it because if not every new money threshold that you get to, it's going to keep, there's all these things will keep appearing. So 100%. So as a business consultant, what I do is I work with people, yes, on their strategy, all that, but I'm very quick. I was just working with someone yesterday and I won't obviously disclose names, but this particular person came to me in one of my one-on-one sessions. She's in my mastermind, but they also get one-on-one support. And she's talking about, okay, well, I've, I've got this happening and this happening and this happening, and I need to know what other strategy. And I said, why don't we stop? Why don't we stop and say, fuck the strategy? And why don't we stop and look at actually what's going on? And she looked at me and she goes, I don't, she was a bit defensive. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. And I was like, 
how many hours a week are you working? Because I'm all about no burnout, but I can't make people, do you know what I mean, do anything. I, I can just, and she's like, uh, and I said, no, look me, and obviously in Zoom, but I was like, look me in the eye and tell me how many hours you're working. And this particular person said 90. I said, okay, you're working nine. And now keep in mind, she's just had two back-to-back 100K months, all right? Wow. So I said, listen, I said, I'm all about there is a season when we are in growth. And when those seasons come, we do sacrifice time with kids or with our partners or whatever. It, it happens. It's, it's inevitable. But I said, you're a mom to four. You're working 90-hour weeks. Why are you in business? And she, she gave me a lot of external reasons is what I talk about, like to make more money, to do this. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, cut the bullshit. Why are you in business? And she said, and she goes, I don't know. And I said, mm. your task after this call is to figure out, number one, why are you doing what you're doing? Task number two is w- your internal world. You just told me that like at home, things are chaotic. That means inside is chaos. So what are we going to do about that? So number two is I want you to book in with the mindset coach. So I have a mindset coach that they're able to access to work on mindset. So my zone of genius is strategy, but I have a mindset coach and a spiritual coach. I've got 12 other experts that work for me that they can access throughout their time with me. So it could be a productivity coach. It could be a podcasting um, person. It could be a systems, but I also have the mindset and the spiritual uh, intuitive healers also. And I said, third, you don't need to outsource any more or pay any more for strategy. What you need to pay for is a maid because your house is falling apart right now. And we need you to have calm within the home, not only for you, but for your kids. Your partner is also asking for that. So we need to hear what he is saying. And if you can afford to pay for me, and if you can afford to pay for these other people, you can damn well afford to pay $35 for someone to come in for three hours a week, $100 to help calm, right, and reduce the chaos. By this time, she's now crying. And I, I don't make, I'm, I'm, I don't go into any session wanting to make people cry. That's never my point. But I'm also not going to, I could have skimmed over that and gone straight to strategy. But she doesn't need any more strategy. She needs to pretty much look at and assess the 90-hour work weeks and understand why she's in business. And it eventually came out. She goes, I'm in business because I actually want more time with my kids. Hmm. Well, then let's make that time. Let's carve that time out accordingly because your kids aren't going to remember that mom had two back-to-back 100K months. But the kids are going to remember that mom didn't read her stories at night. The kids are going to remember that mom walked around the house yelling. So let's change that and let's fix that chaos. So that's an example of where, though I consider myself a consultant in that strategist role, is that's an example from yesterday where I will call them out on what's going on and kind of, did mean, again, they don't have to. This is the thing is whenever someone works with me, I say, you don't have to listen to anything I'm telling you. You don't have to do anything. But also your success and your failure comes down to your action or inaction. I'm never going to be the one making you those 100K months. It's on you. Right. And so, again, putting that responsibility from the minute they work with me, this is even on the discovery call. That's why a lot of people won't sign with me and I'm okay with it. But I still make hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because they're like, how much money will you make me? How much can you guarantee? And I said, I guarantee you nothing and I will make you nothing. Yeah, you do that. That is on you (laughs) and your responsibility. What I'm responsible is showing up to give you strategy. What I'm responsible is to talk to you with sales and marketing. What I'm responsible is keeping you accountable uh, and making sure you've got these other exports to access and community. 
but the rest, my friend, is on you. So that's an example as where we will, she's now working on the internal dialogue. She's already messaged me um, last night to say she's spoken with the partner. Uh, they've there. She's already got on her to-do list today to start looking for something to come in for a few hours a week to start, just to help. I mean, I've just recently in the last three um, weeks at time of recording, uh, my house manager's actually outside my office door right now uh, doing everything. So she comes in for two hours a day and she'll do everything from do post office runs for me to do the cleaning, the vacuuming. Uh, she's taking down a bed that broke for me. Like she comes in here and does everything 10 hours a week. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And sometimes you have to ask for help in the home, not necessarily in business. Mm. Oh man, that is a really good nugget right there. And I love to hear that you're doing that too. Like you're practicing what you preach and you're you're almost not that people need permission, but I think a lot of us women do need permission that it's okay to outsource that you're not a bad mom if you're not making the meals or folding the laundry or doing um, you know, any of the other million things that we could be doing at home. So thank you for living that example. But think about the role modeling, right? Like my son, was it my son or my daughter? My daughter, I can't remember. We were talking about this. And the other day she said, but why can't you do the cleaning? She said something like that. And I said, well, I could do the cleaning, but mom also drives you guys to basketball. And mom also arranges the birthday parties. I said, why isn't it okay for women to ask for help? And it was actually Chloe, actually. And Chloe said, oh, I guess you're right. She's like, we can ask for help. And I'm like, 100% we can. So to me, is it's it's not just about getting me the immediate help that I need to make sure that my, because my internal world was starting to get a bit messy. The messiness here, ladies and gentlemen, never goes away. So, you know, I see hypnotherapists, I see healers. I've got my own coach that costs, I mean, I just signed with him. He's $45,000 to work with him for six months. Like I continue to do the same things for you guys. But for me, it's like I'm role modeling to my daughter now that it's okay to ask for help versus when she gets to this age and she knows no different because the rest of society and the rest of women just continue to do what we've been doing for many years. But I'm equally role modeling to my son that it's okay for his wife if he chooses to marry a female, right? I don't know. But it's okay for those women to ask for help. And the second thing that I'll say to that is rest. The other day, it was like I nap on the weekends all the time. My kids are like, you're always napping. I'm like, okay, your perception is. I'm like, no, I nap like once a day here, right? Napping. But my son was unwell the other day. And he said, no, I have to go to school I have to do this, mom. I have to. And I said, you don't have to. You have choice, buddy. Do you feel unwell? He said, yes, I don't feel good. I said, well, then why don't you give yourself permission to rest today? Because it's important to take the days off when you need it. Because when you are uh, you know, a grown man, you're going to get sick leave and it's okay to take a sick day, buddy. So it's also about that continuation about how are we role modeling to our kids in our life? And how can we start breaking generational change? Just because our grandparents and mothers did all the cooking doesn't mean we have to be the people doing it. Again, choice. Yeah. There's so much that you said in there that's powerful. Um, One thing I just have to share, I took a nap this past weekend. It was like the first time I've napped and... I don't even know how long, like months, if not years. And I felt kind of guilty about it, but I also knew like, no, clearly I need rest. So yeah, we're so, we're so programmed and conditioned, aren't we? So good on you for helping break the cycle. (laughs) 
So I was going to ask a part two, but you basically answered it. And it was, you know, what do you think are some of the keys to getting unstuck for people, both in life and in business? So it sounds like really heal whatever's going on internally, examining what the root causes are and, and asking for the help when you need it. Anything else you'd add to that? I would add continually to check in with your alignment. So again, I do monthly goal setting, for example, inside of my groups, but I'm also like, okay, whatever you're writing down for the next four weeks, is it in alignment with you? Does it light you up? Does it bring you, you know, fun and energy? And if things start to get out of alignment, then you need to really sit in that and explore what needs to change. Yeah, uh, that's great advice. Great, great advice. So let's talk a little bit more about helping women avoid burnout. So your business is built around this, you know, creating significant income while not getting burned out. This is like a novel concept, which is sad. <laughs> tell tell me and tell the listeners, how are you helping clients to, to do this and to grow these massive businesses while still preserving their sanity and, and quality of life and not hitting that, that burnout threshold? Again, I go back to, again, one, well, one, I won't go back. Oh, no, I probably will. I'll start with the alignment piece, right? Is I always talk with them about is your business in alignment? or Are you doing the Instagram worthy business? And then they kind of go, Oh, you know, is are you being driven by ego? Or are you be, being driven by like what you want? Right? You know, again, it's really important, because if you're being driven by ego, then you're probably going to be on your way to burnout, because you know, you're just going to keep chasing the dollar, keep staying up, like keep doing like all of the, it's like just going to keep cycling. Right. So the sooner you can genuinely continue to ask yourself about the alignment piece on anything that you're doing again, alignment. So for example, as I could say alignment today, was it in alignment for me to do a podcast today with you at eight in the morning? Okay. Yes, I liked your vibe. I liked your like what you stand for. All right, is it going to help the business? Yes. Does it light me up? Is it fun? Yes. All right, then let's rock and roll. Yesterday morning, I was up at six o'clock in the morning for a podcast. Again, what well, does it light me up? Does it? And I ask myself these questions. If no, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. All right, is what it comes down to. Amen. All right. Yeah. So yeah. again, alignment, asking yourself if it's a fuck yes or if it's a fuck no. And also boundaries. Where are your boundaries currently being laxed? Right. So I see burnout happen when people have also in conjunction, if they've got really poor boundaries with themselves, with their team, and with their clients, I see burnout happen quickly. And so that could be an example of like, I keep getting messaged on the weekend by my clients to do X, Y, and Z. And I say to people, well, what's your response? Well, I, 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 I panic and I respond. Well, first of all, that was your choice. But two, you've just broken your boundary. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, your boundary was I'm not working weekends. And, my, and I've told my clients I'm not available for them because I'm with my kids, but you've broken the boundary. So typically, again, it's not just alignment, fuck yes, fuck no. It's if once your boundaries start to lax across all areas, typically I also see the burnout. And I think it's important to understand that typically we start off with stress, we then lead to burnout, and then we have a full-blown mental health diagnosis. In order to get it, like in order for me to diagnose people back in the day is like the depression, it has to be hitting all three areas of life. In adults, that's home, community, and work. For kids, it's home, community, and school. 
But stress, it starts off like I could have been stressed this morning going, oh my goodness, I've got to quickly go and get my breakfast. I'm going to come back. I hope the link works. You know, like that could be a little bit of stress, but it will go away, right? It's, it's like, a, like a flicker of stress. But then what happens is that it leads into burnout where things start to get a bit heavier. You know, you're, you kind of slouch a little bit more. You're like resentful. You start to get bitter. You might not be sleeping as well. It's like a combination of these things, right? And it just feels heavy is what I say to people. It's really, if you know that you start, everything feels heavy. Everything feels hard, right? But then what happens is if you don't deal with that and nip that in the butt, what happens is that's when it tips to that full-blown mental health diagnosis. Where again, from a physiological perspective, if you have a, ment- a genuine mental health break, all right, your brain will never recover to its complete beginning of organic fullness. All right. So again, it's, this is where you see people go in there, literally everything's rock and rolling, but then it let started stress went to burnout, and then it tipped, and then they go into a psychotic break. They can be in a state of psychosis for months. And then by the time they come back out of that psychosis thing and they realize what's happened is they're like, oh my goodness, like if that you can lose months, years of your life, but people don't think this stuff happens. It happens all the time. It's just not talked about. So again, those would be some of the areas that I would be saying is that to avoid it is boundaries, alignment, fuck yes and a fuck no, and understanding the importance of you can have a successful business and still have slow mornings with your kids doing puzzles and playing basketball. You can still have a successful business and binge watch Netflix. You can still have a successful business and go on a family holiday. All right. So one of my coaching clients, Rochelle from How to Live Slow, she's all about how can you start living a slower life versus having to always be go, go, go. If you can start to embrace that slowness, you reduce the chances of burnout. All right. And therefore, you're again more in alignment. Your boundaries are more in place and you have that more awareness. So I hope that helps a little bit. No, it's great. And I mean, what you described, I feel like I kind of got off easy. I mean, that's exactly why I went out and left the corporate world because I hit that point of like, I see which way this is going. I'm going to end up having a major depressive episode again. And I'm not willing to do that. I'm out of alignment. And here we go. And so now here we are having this conversation. So I think it's a really important message. And people don't People don't realize how quickly it can escalate. Again, a lot of people will use coping mechanisms like drugs or alcohol, right, to um, almost diminish those feelings of what's going on. But if you look at things again, alcohol is a depressant, right? So if alcohol is a depressant and you're already exhibiting low moods or depressive type symptoms, and then you add the alcohol, it's only going to add to that overall, do you know what I mean, um, contributing factor, right? You add drugs, same thing. So being mindful, as, as again, I see a lot of people in the entrepreneur space, again, you know, I, I'm not saying that I never drank, God knows I had many days in Las Vegas. And you know, they're saying what happens <laughs> in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, right? So I was there. But at time of recording in the last two years, I've had one drink. Now that that wasn't ever planned, by the way, it just happened. But again, I don't know, but I'm, I mean, I'm 42, going on 43, the days of recovery from a hangover is not we're talking weeks now that shit ain't days or hours that's like weeks and I'm just like I've got too many other important things that are more important now I'm not saying 
also COVID's come, right? So you couldn't go out dancing and a lot of that. I think that probably unconsciously contributed to it. But I'm not saying that when I finally get home to my friends and family in Canada, that I won't be hitting the tequila shots and hitting the dance floor, right? Like, I'm not saying that it's never going to happen. But what I'm saying is, is, as I've gotten older, the recovery takes longer. And it's just not worth the pain, right? Um, and so yeah. again, but I see a lot of women in the entrepreneur space, drinking, 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 drinking. And, and again, you know, I don't want to say no judgment, but from an outside perspective, there's that perspective like, you know, um, if you're drinking every single day, again, there can't be some level of internal messiness, ladies. Like, really, like, genuinely, mm. if you really kind of strip it back you, and be honest with yourself, because under the DSM 5, when I would used to diagnose people with alcohol dependence, it's like, again, if you also ask people, is alcohol impacting home, community, and work? The large percentage, when I ask those, those questions, yeah, my husband and I are fighting. Um, I'm always yelling at my kids, right? The house is crazy, for example. I'm missing client appointments that might be, uh, community might be, as I'm no longer going to the gym or with friends and family, so withdrawing. Like, there's all these things, right? But it's the alcohol. And because what happens is alcohol almost becomes your best friend. And this is why when people go through trying to reduce alcohol or reduce drugs, it was the one constant consistent thing, aka person right in their life that was always there. And so that's why it can be very hard to let go of it, too. So I know we've kind of gone off a different tangent. But again, you know, do what you need to do, but be very realistic about the aftermath and how that, again, could lead to, again, uh, bigger things in your world. Yeah, no, I'm really glad that we went down this tangent, actually, because, you know, even me personally, I definitely have drank more wine than I needed to, especially since COVID, COVID. right? And so, like, my husband and I chat about it all the time, like, you know what, like, we need to dry out. So like, now during the week, we don't drink at all, have a little wine on Friday and Saturday. But I think it's really easy, especially what we je- well, we're still kind of in it, right? But like coming out of being stuck in our homes for coming up on two years, like I think a lot of people might be struggling with that more than they're talking about. So I appreciate you bringing it up. And also remember too, remember a, a core thing, and this is what people don't talk about. The media doesn't talk about. My husband actually, again, we're very different, but he works for like a liquor store here in Australia. Alcohol is the only drug that will kill you cold turkey, not hmm. withdrawals from crack cocaine, meth, you will have horrific withdrawals. Yes. Hmm. But the physical withdrawals from alcohol, if you're genuinely on that verge of being like an alcoholic, an alcohol dependence, if you go from point A and then go cold turkey, the physical withdrawals that your body goes into is what can put people over and that's how people die. Wow. So why do you th- why do you think alcohol stores had to remain open during COVID? Because oh my they gosh! Would, they would have more. Right now. <laughs> they would have more people showing up to hospitals with alcohol withdrawals and a high risk of dying than they would having to deal with COVID patients. So they had to have the stores remain open in order for them not to have people <laughs> presenting to the ED with alcohol withdrawal. Wow! Oh my gosh! I'm gonna be like. There's always something on every interview that is like, I need to think about that some more over the next couple of days. And that's, I think that might be the one from this episode. My mind's blown. (laughs) 
Um, well, shifting gears a little bit, I want to touch on some of the business stuff before we hop off. Um, and you're going to give us a business tip too, which I'm really excited about. And there's about a million topics I think you could educate us on just given your breadth of knowledge. But tell me a little bit about this community that you've built. So your Facebook business community, you said it's free to join. You have almost 9,000 members in there. So how did you build it? How did you grow it? And what has it done for you, you um, from a business standpoint, as well as for your members? One of the things that in business is people start always wanting to chase the number, right? They're always going, I'm going to chase the, ch- chase the next transaction, chase the next transaction. But one of the things that I learned all way earlier, earlier on is um, the importance of leading with value first. Now, when you lead with value first, what happens is you're able to build more trust and connection. Uh, when I say quicker, yes, but those long-term relationships that come into play are there for building a business of growth over long-term time. Does that make sense? Because people want the quick fixes, the immediate gratifications, etc. So when I first looked at um, starting my Facebook group, it was actually when I was going through depression and anxiety myself. I had workplace bullying that was going on. I had lawyers involved. It was crazy. And I remember was I was like, okay, I really need to get back to community. And so I started a group here in Brisbane called the Brisbane Business Collective. And it was just going to be for local people in the Brisbane area so we could get together. But then I started to get clients outside of Brisbane and they were like, well, hold on a minute. I want to be able to access this group, but I'm not in Brisbane. And so that kind of sucks. I'm a paying client. I should be able to access this group. So then I changed it to the Australian Business Collaborative, which worked really well because predominantly I was in Australia. And now it's called the Women Business in Collaborative because now I serve people internationally. And so what happened was I just led with value. I showed up and continue to show up in the free group every single day because I believe in adding value. I believe that even though I might not know any one of those, every one of those humans, that they are a human behind a face. I'm not just chasing the transaction up and I would be, hold on, of course they're in there and yes, they're part of my funnel. But primarily is we have this rule that no comment gets left behind. So my team will go in there and congratulate people, high five people, comment on people, like people. I want people to be seen and heard. And in a world where we're more disconnected than ever before, I think it is imperative. Typically, I see Facebook communities, I call it the seagull effect, is launch is about to happen. So they go in there like a seagull and they shit all over their Facebook community, shit, 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 buy my shit, buy my shit. I'm only going to do videos because I need to sell shit. And then they fly away like the seagull. And then a quarter in a quarter when they're going to be launching next, they come in there again, shit, 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 and freaking late seagull. Don't be the seagull is what I say. So that's kind of what I've, I've always kind of gone off of is like build, lead with value and build a community. Your network equals your net worth. And I, I'd be lucky if probably 5% of those people ever convert into a paying client, but that's not the point. My mission is to serve an additional 22,000, sorry, my mission between now and 2025 is to serve an additional 2,500 women. And doing that, I want to make sure that those women can access my free resources, but equally my paid resources. 
because they might not be able to afford my paid resources. But why the hell should I not be able to give them other resources that will still move them from stuck to unstuck? And we know I'm a mentor uh, here for the Queensland state government in Australia. Uh, One of their female mentors, they had asked me because they only had men pretty much mentoring and they asked me if I'd come on board. So I did. And we know the data here in Queensland is that women are failing faster than men when it comes to businesses. And when they reached out to those women in the survey, the women came back and said it was because of lack of resources and finances in order to be able to access appropriate resources to move them. So for me, as I continue to lead with value, I can't tell you how many of my consultants and coaches I've worked with have said, give your free group up. My free group is still one of my primary driving sources to my paid clients because when they see me showing up for free over and over and over again, those who do eventually choose to want my services are like, man, I've been in your group for the last year. I've been in your group forever. And if you show up for that, like free, what is it? What, what do I can only imagine what it's like when I'm working with you? Right. There's also a really great book by my favorite authors, Bob Berg and John David Mann, called The Go-Giver. But I want to share with you, they're kind of five laws of stratospheric success. And this is, I've always led with value, but I really liked when I read this book. I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I do. And the guys talk about um, the five laws of stratospheric success. And they talk about the law of value. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. They then talk about the law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. They then talk about the third law, the law of influence. Your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. The fourth law is the law of authenticity. The most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And the fifth law is they talk talk about the law of receptivity. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. So yes, it's a long-term strategy, but I'm here to tell you, you know, I'm not a seven-figure, you know, business consultant for shits and giggles. This It didn't happen overnight, but I continued to show up. I continued to treat people like people. I don't just trace the transaction. I didn't become a millionaire overnight. That is for damn sure. But I can tell you what is I can lay my head on my pillow knowing that I've if I walk down the street tomorrow, I know I could give my, my people in my community a hug. I know that they can come and give me a hug, right? Because that's, again, an alignment for me and part of my ongoing values. Mm, oh, my gosh. That was so good. The the laws piece as well, like so much truth in that. You have to be giving more value than than you're charging. That's um, I think it's Wallace D. Waddles. Have you read that book, The Science of Getting Rich? He talks Mm-mm. about this. It's no, a really old one. It's like over a hundred years old. But but yeah, like you always add more value than what you received back. And um, just so much beauty in what you said. I'm so glad that you came on today. So final question before we wrap: What is one piece of wisdom you would love to bestow on those listening? If you could only pick one mm-hmm. thing. If I could only pick one thing is I would, obviously, it's tough because I would always say lead with value is what I would say. Show up every single day and lead with value. But if I had to give like a, like a tangible thing is what I would say is one of the, my favorite quotes, and, and I didn't make it up. I don't know who did, but I say it often, is when you pay, you pay attention. So the essence of pay to play and that you can't do this alone and you might not be, have a lot of money to begin with. So you might at the beginning, go to free events. But those free events, you're exchanging time, right? And they might not necessarily be your ideal people. But then you might pay $10 to go to an event. And the and the quality of the people, not that the other people were bad quality, but like for what you're doing in your business, they're like more on tune with you, right? More your vibe. 
again, and when you pay, even that $10, you pay attention a little bit more, you stand up a little bit more, you read the content differently, you present differently. And then I might go to $20 and I might go to $30. And that's exactly how it kind of looked for me is I did free, free, free Googling, YouTubing, doing all these things, but that was only getting me so far. And it worked but it wasn't going to get me where I was going. So for me, what I did then is I started to pay. I started to pay to play. And like I said, it then went to like a $500 ticket here to go to one of these events. From that event, I then was like, you know what, I'm going to pay $13,000 to go to Chris Decker's event in the Philippines. And like I said, just recently, I've paid $45,000 to work with my own coach over the next six months. Again, I started with zero. But when you learn to pay to play, you pay attention. And I believe that the transformation occurs when the transaction takes place. So think about as you go into 2022, where do you need to be paying to play in order to elevate you and get you out of your 1.0 version and into your 2.0 version? Ah, that is such good advice. It is so important to invest in yourself. And I could not agree more. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't wait for your business tip mini episode that we'll record right after this. So make sure to listen to that. Uh, Tell our listeners before we sign off, where can they find and connect with you? And I will include links in the show notes as well. Yeah, I always say the best place to connect because everyone consumes content and needs different things is strictly head to my website, which is AngelaHenderson.com.au. And then from there, you can choose to listen to my podcast. You could choose to book a call. You could choose to join me in my group or on Instagram. Uh, You can read blogs, listen to the podcast, whatever works for you. So head to AngelaHenderson.com.au. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I have to tell you, Ange, I just love your candor. Love meeting another woman who knows what she wants, is direct and likes to swear. So it's really been a pleasure. (laughs) No worries. Listen, thanks so much. You have a beautiful day and always fun to connect with other amazing people such as yourself. Did you know we're in the midst of the great resignation? 4.3 million Americans left their jobs in August without seeking a new one. If you want to become a corporate dropout like me, but you need help creating an exit plan, I can help. Whether you need corporate exit coaching, business coaching, or you're seeking help to step into the best version of yourself, I'd love to connect with you. Listeners of the Corporate Dropout Podcast can book a complimentary discovery call with me. Visit alasiacitro.com slash dropout. That's A-L-E-S-S-I-A-C-I-T-R-O dot com slash dropout to book your free coaching call today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If today's episode added value to your life in some way, please subscribe, leave a five-star review and share it with someone who needs this. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and hear how the show has inspired you. So tag me or slide into the DMs. Find me at Corporate Dropout Official or Alacia Citro. That's A-L-E-S-S-I-A-C-I-T-R-O and two underscores. Until next time, remember that you're a badass, stay focused, stay hungry, and dare to drop out.